um, continuing our series in 1 Corinthians or about the church from 1 Corinthians. Um, in the first week, you remember, we looked at the definition of church, namely the local gathering of believers. Um, this includes our services and our Bible studies. Um, we're also the local church in the sense that um, we're the local body of Christ. Um, as believers, we meet at Barney's. We're part of the um, organism headed by Christ. In the second week, we looked at who church was for, uh, church in the sense of our published public worship, and our services are for believers. Um, it's not a slick show aimed at outsiders per se, but that being said, um, outsiders um, should be warmly welcomed and uh, what should be attractive to them, hopefully, is not razzmatazz or amazing music um, per se, but it should be our love for one another that speaks volumes and gives us credibility as Christians. Well, today we're looking at building and breaking the church from 1 Corinthians 3. And in that chapter uh, or in that um, in the book, Paul is teaching a dysfunctional church about, well, he's exposing to them the, the dangers of division and immaturity, but he's also teaching them about um, right motives, being a loving and mature united church. Now, it will surprise you, um, but I'm not good with my hands, um, except for tying fishing knots. I'm pretty good at that. Um, but woodwork, gardening, um, I'm pretty shabby at, even, if, even when I attempt it, and um, I haven't attempted building, but from observation, it seems to me that Building a house requires, well, a good foundations and then it takes over a period of time a building is uh, built brick by brick. And by the same token, a structure can be destroyed with a, a wrecking ball or a bulldozer in short order and the structure is even more fragile if it has poor foundations. And... In the same way, uh, it takes a lot of time and effort and God's blessing to build and maintain a healthy church. But a church can be, rend uh, can be broken or rendered ineffective very quickly by division, poor leadership or other symptoms of a lack of love. And if it isn't founded on the gospel of Christ crucified, it's folly and a waste of time. Well, what was going on in Corinth? Um, Corinth was a large commercial centre in Greece and it was known for corruption. There were multiple temples in the city and uh, one of the temples was the Temple of Aphrodite and uh, there were a thousand prostitutes, temple prostitutes, attached to that temple. Inside the Corinthian church itself there were major issues Paul had spent 18 months there on his second missionary journey establishing the church and it's two or three years later that he's writing the letter to Corinthians to 
address some concerns that had emerged. Um, the Corinthians, the Corinthian Christians saw themselves as highly spiritual. Um, they thought they had special knowledge and wisdom and power and they used high-octane spiritual gifts of tongues and prophecy in worship. However, in truth, the, the church was divided and dysfunctional. They had an attitude problem. Um, the division was driven by arrogance. Um, public worship was a shambles and um, people were exercising showy gifts in an unloving and attention-seeking way. So the problems with their motives. And Paul, of course, was devastated that the Paul, sorry, that the Corinthians had stagnated. They had not grown in their faith. Um, in fact, their conduct, according to Paul, was indistinct from non-Christians around them. Paul refers to jealousy and strife. And one of the manifestations of immaturity in uh, the Corinthians was their allegiance. They wanted to form gangs and uh, have allegiance to various figureheads, a bit like kids in the primary school playground tend to form uh, groups or gangs. Some people thought Paul could do no wrong. Others uh, liked Apollos. Um, Apollos uh, followed Paul at Corinth, who was the next letter. Well, others liked Apollos's articulate nature and they thought Paul was dull and too focused on the cross. He just wouldn't speak, stop speaking about this cross stuff. So the Corinthians wanted to form alliances to follow Paul and Apollos, and in our church that would be like following Joe or David or the wardens. Now, I, I won't ask for a show of hands, but, you know, you might think, okay, Joe's the man, he's been around, he's got um, the experience... David's the, the cocky young assistant minister. Um, and then you could, others might think, okay, well, Joe's past it, David's up to date, and um, he plays guitar a lot better than Joe does. Um, others might think that, okay, you know, I'm not real happy about Joe and David, but it's the wardens, the, um, the wardens are the font of all wisdom. So that's a bit like what was going on with the Corinthians. Well, verses 5 to 9 addresses Paul and Apollos' roles. Um, verses 5 to 7 of uh, 1 Corinthians 3. What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. One planted, I, I planted the seed... Apollos watered it, but God had been make, has been making it grow. So neither one, the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes them grow. And then it goes on, um, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Um, so Paul makes the point that Paul and Apollos had different roles or um, had different comparable roles at different times, but they were both servants of God. They were both co-workers. They were mere humans, um, and even Joe and David and the wardens are mere humans, and it was, it's God that 
cause the growth uh, or potentially cause growth in any church. So Paul planned and laid their foundation. He first preached the gospel, the gospel of salvation, uh, one through the work of Christ on the cross. The Son of God took punishment that we deserve on his body to give us life. But Paul wasn't the foundation. It wasn't the gospel of Paul, but the gospel of Christ. Paul was the instrument God used to win the first converts. Paul says Apollos watered, and uh, Apollos certainly had a different style, but there were no, there's no indication that there are actually any disagreements between Paul or Apollos. But the, the church nonetheless went off the rails. Um, in their arrogance over their so-called spirituality and in their desire to have personality cults, the one Corinthians had forgotten Paul's key points, um, that the church uh, is built on the foundation of the gospel and second, it's God who generates growth. Well, let's move from Corinth to Ingleburn. So just as Paul and Apollos had different roles. Uh, Joe and David and wardens have different roles. Um, Joe preaches and teaches. He's the senior minister. Sorry, um, they have different roles but overlapping roles. So Joe preaches and teaches. He's a senior minister. He has a pastoral and strategic role. Now David's not just a sidekick. David's getting a bit of a smashing this morning. Uh, David's not just a sidekick, he's a fellow servant and a co-worker with Joe. He preaches and teaches in different capacities. He's involved in the ESL ministry, the music ministry and the young adults ministry. And the wardens, look, I don't know much about wardens. I had to Google wardens last night to get a handle of what they do. But um, apparently, I understand the wardens administer the money and the property and um, insurance, but I'm sure they also have input on spiritual matters as well. Now, Joe and David and the wardens shouldn't be competing for attention and allegiance. Um, their aim as a group of co-workers is or should be and is to point us to God. We ourselves shouldn't be building a personality cult uh, focused on one of the team and we should resist petty favouritism. Well, let's, um, let me uh, focus wider than Barney's for a minute. Who do you regard as your great Christian leaders, your spiritual gurus? Do you have a Yoda, a spiritual Yoda back there in the past? Um, whose books and DVDs do you consume or consumed when you're young and passionate? Um, some Christian leaders in the past couple of decades are um, Mark Driscoll, David Cook, Phil Jensen, Peter Jensen, Joyce Meyer and Joel Osteen. Um, some of these leaders have uh, some doctrine that is clearly unbiblical um, such as Joyce Meyer and Joel Osteen. They actually say some okay stuff, but they tend to then lapse into either southern common sense 
um, preaching um, or uh, into the prosperity gospel. Then there's others that have fallen from grace. Mark Driscoll was um, the next big thing uh, 10 or 15 years ago, but sadly um, he resigned from his post after issues of bullying staff and some questionable conduct about purchasing books to get on a bestseller list. But even with faithful teachers, uh, it's incumbent on us to test what they say against the Bible. Even the best um, Bible teachers are not infallible and even Phil Jensen doesn't have papal authority. The point remains that good Bible teachers should um, point us to Jesus and to his saving work on the cross and the success of a Bible teacher isn't measured by his um, flashiness or how big his congregation is or how big um, an auditorium he builds, but um, by his faithfulness. Well, just let's finish by working out how to break Barney's. Um, for a start, uh, to the first way, the quickest way to break Barney's um, is to teach the wrong gospel. Um, we're not a friendly society. Well, hopefully we are friendly, but our role is not to just be a social group. Um, it's not like a fishing club. We don't have just have a shared interest in, in something. Um, we are God's, the body of Christ in this area. Um, we're Christians, we're focused on the gospel. The other thing we can that potentially breaks a church is wrong attitudes, and that uh, can be manifested by being unloving and um, by having attitude problems and division and unforgiveness. Well, how do we build Barney's? Um, first, um, we have right teaching and right gospel. Um, that's the foundation step. But then we want the right motives uh, to be loving and other person-centred. Um, the definition of being loving is to have a, or to love someone, is to have a self-sacrificing commitment which shows itself in seeking the highest good of the one loved. Um, love is outward focused and other person centred and um, for the believer it's prompted by the work of Christ on the cross and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now one of the godliest um, people of Christians I've ever come across was a guy called Ted and um, when Heather and I were in our late 20s we were living in a, um, a a little cottage, a dilapidated cottage, which was later condemned um, next to the Presbyterian Church at Cogra. Now, Ted was one of the elders and he's also um, a retired carpenter. And every um, Saturday morning, Ted would come to the prayer meeting, then he'd spend uh, the rest of the morning working on the church or the cottage, um, keeping them going, maintaining them. Now, I, ne I never heard Ted swear. I never heard him say a harsh or abrasive word and 
He gave us advice in our marriage. He said, you know, every day read your Bible and pray. Ted was a great model. Um, but the thing that stood out about Ted was he wasn't doing these things uh, to bolster his own self-esteem and he wasn't doing it out of some draconian sense of duty. Uh, he did it because um, of love. He had the right attitude. Another thing is uh, we want to have good execution of what we do. We want to help people develop their gifts. Um, but we need to remember that um, we're not, our focus shouldn't be on being slick. Um, one of my pet hates is in churches where the people in the music ministry um, are encouraged to start coming up to the stage before someone's finished praying. And I think it really um, d disturbs the solemnity of prayer. So we're not about being slick. I don't know if you think Joe's slick or not, but you can draw your own conclusions about that. So our focus should be on faithfulness, exercising our gifts and um, faithfully serving one another, faithfully serving the Lord. Let us pray. Dear Father, we thank you that uh, you've given us the foundation of the gospel. Please help us, us as the body of Christ here to have the right motives and the right foundation. Help us um, to put aside unforgiveness and division and um, to be united and forgiving to exercise our gifts and to encourage others to exercise their gifts. In Jesus' name, amen.